the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, coming at you on am860theanswer.com. That's am860theanswer.com. I'm here every Sunday live, 9 to 10 a.m. Well, not every Sunday. Occasionally, I have to take a break. And this is talk radio. It's interactive. We're an iHeart station as well, part of the Salem Broadcasting System. And if you want to join the show, you're welcome to jump in and voice your opinion. I'm at 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. Sometimes I get going and I get a little carried away, but you can always break in and slow me down and let me know what you think. Well, there's a lot going on. Trump just came back from the G7 meeting. Actually, he didn't come back. He's headed over to Singapore for the sit-down with Kim Jong-un, and I am so thrilled that this man is doing all that he's doing. But there's a few things that, of course, I don't agree with. I think that we need to maintain the uh, no prior or pre-existing loss of coverage on the health care insurance, which I think the new bill is going to take away. That was part of the Obamacare. Basically what it said is that pre-existing conditions will will not be uh, a barrier to obtaining insurance through your your group company policy, uh, nor can you be uprated for that. So you can't you couldn't be made to pay more if you had a pre-existing condition. That way, everybody's taken care of. The idea of of insurance is to spread the cost out among uh, all of us, and then if one person needs help, then we. I'll give a little bit more for that person. That's the way insurance has always worked. And the uh, Christian-based, the faith-based programs that are out there now uh, are basically the same thing. You you chip in if somebody's got a problem, and you give a little bit more if, if they need money for their health care expenses. So it's a good thing for me. <coughs> and I certainly don't have a problem with with coughing up a little bit extra. I mean, I'm, I'm an okay, I'm, I'm not starving to death here. So, and I think most of us in the United States, we're, we're, most of us were comfortable enough that we can chip in a little bit more here and there. So I'm going to start an online petition to the president and to the secretary of health and human services. And I'll let you know more about that next week, asking that they not 
uh, undo that part of Obamacare, uh, the Affordable Care Act, which uh, offered pre-existing problems coverage. And uh, we'll see where that goes. I'll let you know as we go along. Now I'm going to shift gears here. I'm going to shift a couple of times, but because there's so much going on at the lunch table this week, the sentiment was very much pro-Canada and anti the tariffs that we're imposing on the Canadians, especially on steel and aluminum imports and other things. However, after it was revealed that Canada charges extreme tariffs on many U.S. goods, including uh, farm goods, agricultural goods, as well as manufactured goods, and don't forget when you purchase something in Canada, when you go to the store and you pay retail for anything, no matter where it's made, you're going to pay anywhere from 15 to 17% sales tax, value-added tax, which is for their health care insurance. So that automatically kicks up anything that is sold into Canada by 17%. And that's a pretty hefty uh, tariff in and of itself. Not only are we upside down in several areas when it comes to imports and exports, but remember, we also subsidize the entire world's health care bill. And I've talked about this before, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, which I have been very critical of, especially their assessment of who pays the most for health care in the, in the world. And, of course, it's the United States and how wasteful we are and, you know, what a bad co- country we are for spending so much on ourselves when there are people in the world who have no health care, no basics, and no immunizations, no antibiotics, whatever it is. We're, we're just bad people. Wait a minute here. Wait a minute. Let me explain that the high cost we Americans pay for medications, it's a subsidization, subsidization of other countries' health care bills. Because we pay more, that same drug can be sold or licensed, manufactured, and sold in India for a tenth or one one-hundredth the cost of what it would cost here. And at some point, India is going to be affluent enough that they won't need that subsidy. And then we're going to have to say, as the president is saying now, wait a minute, we're paying ten times the amount for this, this medication, and this isn't right when you're paying one-tenth of what we're paying, and we're subsidizing this for you. And a lot of these medications are uh, developed and or manufactured in the United States, although a number of the companies left over health care, not health care, but taxation problems in the 80s and 90s, 70s, 80s and 90s. But listen, it's not just drugs. It's also medical devices. I mean, we develop most of the medical devices, whether it's pacemakers or artificial hips and knees. And these are expensive items. They are extremely expensive. And because we pay more for these, other people around the world can pay less. And we do pay a lot for these devices. We pay a lot for artificial knees and hips. We pay a lot for pacemakers and defibrillators that are implanted into our our bodies. You know, this is such a simple and blatant fact that I find it incredible that I'm leading the charge to confront these truths. And basically, I'm the only person I know of who's been yelling about this for the past decade. And don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining about my lifestyle or what I'm paying for the health care that I receive. I'm quite happy and feel quite 
blessed and lucky to have the ability to and the access to health care that I do and that most Americans do. And, of course, we'd like to see this for all Americans. There are still a few people that are that are out there that don't have some of the basics, but almost everybody can go get health care. I mean, you can always go to the ER and somebody's going to take care of you. Whoever's on call for your particular problem, you'll be assigned to them if you go into the hospital. So I'm not complaining about my lifestyle or having to pay more for my health care or having to pay more for devices or for medications. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that I even have the opportunity to purchase these things, but rather I'm upset that groups like the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development so distort the truth about our health care system and its cost that it sounds like as if we Americans are immoral in our use of health care. I mean, this is ridiculous. We, we are one of the most moral nations in the history of humans. And I know that people on the left will disagree, but once you travel around the world and see how much we have done and how much we have added to the world and to multiple countries throughout the world and see how the world feels about us. And, you know, you hear all this anti-American talk coming from the Iranian government. The Iranian people love us. They want to be like us. And the North Koreans, once they find out what the real world is like, you think they want to be North Koreans anymore? Heck no. They're going to want to be like the South Koreans and the Americans and the Japanese. I mean, this is, it's just uh, insane that people have this idea that we are not liked and we are not respected around the world. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. These Canadian uh, tariffs and the, the, renegotiation of NAFTA, I agree with that 100%. Yeah, you can get medicines cheaper in Canada, most medicines. You sure can. I've been up there and I know. But don't forget, not only do we subsidize the Canadian health care bill and the health care expenses by paying more for our, our hard goods like drugs and pacemakers and artificial uh, joints, but also the value-added tax that they pay and we pay, which is essentially also an import tax on anything we send up there, is 17%. So, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Their health care system is no cheaper than ours. We're just subsidizing it. And they are indirectly, and they don't realize how, how much they're paying for their health care, indirectly through their, their taxes and their sales taxes. They're paying more than we are for what they get. I mean, it's it's... It's incredulous to me, and I, I don't know if I've told you this story. I, Bill, stop me if I've already mentioned this story in the past. We were out in Vancouver, Victoria, out, out in the western province of British Columbia. Victoria is a beautiful town on Vancouver Island, and as a stop on the cruise back from Alaska, we went to Victoria, the cruise ship docked there, and we had the day to go see Bouchard Gardens, which is one of the most beautiful gardens public gardens in the world. It's unbelievable. I've been there three or four times in my life. I'd go back again. It's a long trip to make, but that's just how, how strongly I feel about it. And so the bus driver who was our tour guide 
out to the gardens. He was talking about what a wonderful health care system the Canadians had and, and how he read in the paper how people were dying in the United States because nobody would take care of them in the emergency room and all this nonsense. And, you know, I listened politely and everybody got off the bus and I pulled the guy aside and I said, you know, let me let me help you with some of this because the information you're getting is is not accurate. Why is it not accurate? Well, because the Canadian press is uh, censured. It's it's what's that word I'm thinking of when you can't speak freely, Bill? I'm trying to think of that word and I'm drawing a blank here. But it's restricted the kind of information that you can get in Canada through their press and through their newspapers and through their radios and their television shows. And we have fought very hard over the years to try to get the Canadians to open up and let us have stations like Fox be aired up there. Oh, by the way, an American company cannot own more than 20% of any Canadian broadcasting or Internet company. We can't do it. Now, that may have been liberalized in recent years, but there are so many restrictions on so much of what we do, not only in Canada, but throughout the world. And uh, it's just incredible to me. So I explained to this bus driver that his information was inaccurate and that his press was not telling him the full story or the truth. And he said, I never realized that. And I have never heard that. Now, this is a guy who's hauling Americans and Europeans and everybody and their brother back and forth between the cruise ship port and Bouchard Gardens. And he had never heard what I told him. He never knew the extent that his government was keeping him from the truth about our health care system and about a number of items around the world that are happening, a number of, of incidences and prospects and abilities. So the import policies of Canada, their regulation of the press and of what information is allowed in, their uh, value-added taxes, all these things are unfair. They're unfair to us because we don't do that to them. We don't charge 17%. In Florida, we charge a state tax of 7% or 6%, and in Pinellas County, 7%. We have a, a penny more for special projects here in the county. And the 6% sales tax basically pays for the roads and the infrastructure and the state government and the, the services that the state offers, like the uh, state health care system. So these are uh, spread out over a number of areas, and it provides the same benefits to everybody. So if you're a Canadian who summers or winters in Florida – and you're paying a 7% sales tax, well, guess what? That's Or 6%, that's what you're paying to drive on our roads, to have the cheaper gasoline that we have, to have all the infrastructure, the utilities, and that the nice uh, condo that you've been able to rent or buy, or the, the nice mobile home and a nice trailer park. And there's some really nice parks out there. I've been in a number of these places. They're beautiful. And you also have the ability to hear the whole truth about health care and about what's going on the, in the world. And this, to me, uh, is the greatest thing that we have to, have to offer, that we have a free and open press and that we can say what we want. One of the guys at the lunch table the other day said, did you hear that in 
Australia, they're going to outlaw hate speech, that you cannot have hate speech on uh, the Internet or on radio shows or on, on whatever. Well, who decides what hate speech is? And who says that you can't say your, speak your opinion uh, without having the federal government come in and say, no, you can't, and take it off the air? Uh, this is just ridiculous. I mean, our First Amendment is all about this. Now, you can't incite a riot or murder or uh, hold people hostage monetarily or threaten violence. But if you don't like one group or another, you have the right to say that. You have the right to say that. And to me, that is so valuable, and it's so much a part of what we are and who we are that it's hard to imagine a democracy like Australia saying, no, you cannot say what you want. I mean, that would never happen here. It would never happen here. And yes, we tolerate a lot of things that other countries wouldn't. But that's what makes us great. So, you know, looking at the Canadian situation um, and the the restrictions and the tariffs and the impositions, the Canadian Grain Act, what grains can be sold and what grains cannot be sold, and the the grade, not only the 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 grains that can and cannot be sold and for how much money, but there's also a premium grade of grains that goes into flour, say hard red winter wheat, and then a, a lower grade that goes into more industrial uh, phenomena like feeding animals and making dog food, those sorts of things. So wine, beer, spirits, you probably didn't know this. Every province that I've been to in Canada, there's only one liquor outlet, and that's owned by the provincial government. That's the Liquor Control Board. So if you're trying to sell your alcohol or your wine in Canada, if you can even get it in there, not only will there be import tariffs, there will also be a 17% sales tax. And because the government has control of it, and it's another way for them to bring in money, they'll add a few more pennies onto it. When you go to the liquor control board, which, which are liquor stores up there, and in, in British Columbia, only British Columbia wines can be sold on grocery store shelves. Imported wine in grocery stores can only be sold in a store within a store. Why? So that they can tax it differently and the government can have control of it. They even have separate cash registers. So, you know, the president's not all that off the base here. I mean, come on. And you say, well, our economy would overwhelm Canada's. There are only 10% of us. Their population is 10% of ours. Maybe, or maybe it would force them to be uh, more efficient, more streamlined. Who knows? But the only way we will know if a true free market works is if we work our way towards a true free market. And I've been saying this on the show for decades now, well, decade and a half anyway, that I believe that a free market is the best way to go in healthcare. But I don't think we can just jump into it. I think we're going to have to let ourselves down easily because there are going to be people who are not going to know what to do, who won't know how to shop for health care. And this is going to be a, 
uh, a learned uh, uh, asset that we'll have to have if we move into a true free trade system. I don't think we're going to have a completely free trade system. There will always be those people who are not capable of taking care of themselves. And, of course, things like Medicaid, which is beloved by the seniors, even the free traders love it. And basically, it's just a health insurance policy that the government has uh, its thumb on so that it's not misappropriated. And, of course, that has not worked out so well either. Uh, but uh, that was the idea behind it. It's just an, it, it goes on and on. There are certain bandwidths that are available only to the Canadians when you go to uh, broadcasting the spectrum that all large incumbent companies could purchase in January 2014, 700 megahertz spectrum auction to facilitate greater competition in the sector, but no foreign entities participated in the auction. And this resulted in Canada's three large incumbent wireless providers, one of them is Rogers, winning 85% of the available blocks that Canada has held on to some of that internet access 15%, but basically they're creating uh, monopolies. And of course, monopolies are going to drive up the prices for the Canadians. And by the way, everything up there costs about 15 to 50% more than down here in the United States. Their wages are higher. Their, their goods cost more. You can't go to Canada and go shopping and think you're going to get a deal for blue jeans. They don't have the scale of the economy that we have, and they also have all of these taxes in a government that is basically encouraging monopolies. So it's not a good situation. It's not a good situation at all, and I'm not real happy about it. And I am very much behind the president. And, you know, even an investment into Canada, you have to, as I said earlier, you can't own but 20% of certain industries. And so your investments uh, have to be limited. And so you, you can invest, but you're not going to have any control over what you're investing in. And uh, censorship will increase because, uh, as we discussed last week, when there's an entity that the government that is uh, solely one entity or two or three, a small number of entities like uh, the Internet access and communication, it's easier for the government to control that. The government can step in and, and say that we're, we're not going to allow you to broadcast Fox News because we don't like it. We think it will disrupt our socialist system. And uh, this is, this to me, for a democracy, a sister democracy, this is unbelievable. But again, I tell you, and you know this, that there is no democracy like ours in the, in the world. We are unique in so many ways. We are unique in so many ways. And I love it, but I also agree with the president that we need to twist the arms of countries throughout the world and Get them to come more to our way of thinking. And people like my sister will say, well, we're not so good. We're, we're bad, evil people. Look at the bad we've done all around the world. You know what? Nobody's perfect. Yeah, we've done a few things that weren't right. But think of all the things that we've done that were right. All of the great things that we did and have done and continue to do throughout the world to make the world a better place, not only for us, but for everybody else. 
it's a big, big list, and it far outweighs the bad things that we've done. And I just have no, uh, although I'm very tolerant of my sister and, and her left-wing friends and their views, and I don't argue with them, I just have no real um, intellectual acceptance of anything that they have to say. Emotionally, she's my sister. I love her. I got to accept her and take what she offers me because she is somebody who is blood. She's family. She's part of the tribe. And that's important. We need to stick with our tribe. And uh, yes, we can go out and intermarry and mingle with the other tribes and get to know each other. And that's one of the great things about the United States, that we become a melting pot. But the family tribe, we need to be loyal to. I think that's important. I think we need to give each other all the support we can. And the idea of charity and support, as we've said before, and people say over and over, is something that starts at home. So don't be fooled by these uh, by these people who are saying that Trump is starting a trade war and doing bad things and he's going to bring economies down. I think he's going to bring economies up. I think that once all of this shakes out and we negotiate some fair trade agreements, and I don't think that he's going to continue to hit the Canadians as hard as he has been. But you know, it's like it's like going into a union. Uh, a labor versus management negotiations. You know, labor comes in and says, we want $35 an hour or we're walking. And management says, well, we're only offering 15 And they throw their hands on the table and stomp their fist and their feet. And then they get up and they walk out. And the negotiators are still there. The, the corporate lawyers and the union uh, negotiators are there. And so then tomorrow they come back in and they say, all right, we'll go to 1650 an hour. All right, we'll come down to thirty-three fifty, and it goes on and on. But this is the the mold that this man came out of. He went into negotiations as a contractor and a builder, and he said that subs would say, "Here's what we're offering you," and he'd say, "I'm not paying that," and you guys are getting this wholesale and doubling the fees on these materials, and I'm not paying that. I'll pay twenty percent more of what you have to pay for your wholesale lumber or your wholesale. Uh, window glass or your wholesale concrete cost because of the effort that you put into it to get it. But you're not the ones that are delivering the concrete. You know, Chemex or Allied is delivering the concrete. You've just negotiated a contract, a sales agreement with them. And that's fine with me. So he says, no, I'm not paying that. And he walks out. But he leaves behind uh, one of his uh, negotiators. And that's the way you do it. That's the way you do it. He's a businessman. He's not a diplomat or a politician, although he's turning into a pretty good diplomat. I'm surprised at how far he's gotten with Kim Jong-un. I think we all are. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, it's 930, and you know what? I'm going to step into another topic. So, Bill, why don't we take a break now? I need a cup of joe anyway. And we'll be that. back. Your show. You can do whatever you want. Hey, it's my show. I get to do what I want. Oh, my God, I didn't know that. Uh, at any rate, when we come back, let's talk about the morality of blockades and embargoes on poor countries like uh, North Korea and Iran, where the people are already suffering. And if you want to jump in at any time, by the way, 877-969-8600. That's 877 877- 
969-8600. Jump in and let me know what you think. I'm Dr. Bill. I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. President Trump has arrived in Singapore, where he will meet with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. Mr. Trump landed at the island city-state's Payalabar Air Base, traveling from Canada, where he attended the G7 meeting. Mr. Trump's meeting with Kim is scheduled for 9 a.m. Tuesday, or 9 p.m. June 11th, here actually on the U.S. East Coast. President hopes to win a legacy-making deal with the North to give up their nuclear weapons, although he has recently sought to manage expectations, saying it could take more than one meeting. Gina Turgel, a Holocaust survivor who comforted Anne Frank at the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp before the young diarist's death there, has died herself at the age of 95. And Justify has won the Triple Crown, the Preakness and Kentucky Derby winner coming through yesterday. This is SRN. News. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Hello, this is Dr. Bill Handelman for our good friends at Tampa Bay Imaging. TBI provides state-of-the-art MRI and CT scanning with the lowest radiation possible. Most insurance plans accepted and self-pay rates are very competitive. TBI is conveniently located in Tampa and St. Pete with evening and weekend appointments. So call TBI today or ask your doctor. In Tampa, call 813-386-3674. St. Pete, call 727-545-9674. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Christian Faith Publishing helps thousands of authors publish their books with a company dedicated to strong Christian values. The most important qualities that I was looking for was a publisher who was honest and upfront. No hidden costs or fees and owning the rights to my own work. It all starts with our free author submission kit. Call 800-566-1012. We'll edit, design, copyright, protect, print, and distribute books online and in bookstores everywhere. You'll see your books in Christian bookstores Amazon, iTunes, Barnes & Noble, and many others. If you have a biography, novel, devotional, self-help, or other inspirational work, we get it published. We provide professional book editing, award-winning design, with the highest royalty structure in the industry. Plus, you retain 100% rights to your work. Get your book published today. Call for your free author submission kit at 800-566-1012. That's 800-566-1012. 800-566-1012. Here's some exciting news from Shoot Straight. You can now buy firearms online. That's right. Just visit shoot-straight.com, and you can choose from a wide selection of firearms perfect for your needs. Of course, there are two locations on U.S. 301 south of MLK in Tampa and Almerton Road just east of 49th Street in Clearwater are always happy to supply all of your needs as well. And they feature air-conditioned indoor shooting ranges and a wide selection of all your firearms and accessories. Visit shoot-straight.com. That's shoot-straight.com. 
Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Look for a mix of clouds and sunshine today with a shower thunderstorm in the area. High today, 90, and partly cloudy skies tonight, low 74. Tomorrow, we'll have a mix of clouds and sunshine and a high of 90. Then partly cloudy tomorrow night, low 74. Partly cloudy Tuesday as well, high on Tuesday, 90. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Holly Holdren for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, and we're coming at you on 860 AM, The Answer. I'm at 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. Feel free to jump in if you have something to say. Uh, I was talking about the free trade agreements that Trump is trying to negotiate and break down some of these tariff barriers that we as Americans face when we export our goods around the world. And it got into... Uh, censorship of the press and uh, restriction on how much of a company or an industry we as Americans can own outside of the United States. And uh, it's pretty amazing. So, But at any rate, I'm going to jump into another topic here. I usually stick with one, but this is, I think, really important that we talk about the morality of uh, the uh, blockades and embargoes of other countries, especially uh, by by one country against another, and especially against countries that are already suffering and already uh, having problems with feeding their people and providing adequate health care. And the damage that it does to those countries, uh, is it right or is it wrong? I mean, it's a very simple question. Are we being immoral by embargoing and blockading goods from coming into North Korea, which is a desperately poor country? Kim Jong-un didn't even have a plane that he could fly in from North Korea to Singapore. So I'm sure that either the South Koreans or the Americans supplied the plane for the, for the poor guy. And I say poor not because I feel sorry for him, because he is financially, and their country is financially poor. It's, it's, it's destitute, and we are making it more destitute. What's the morality of this? I mean, is it okay for us to assume a role of uh, punisher because we disagree with or have concerns about another country or another government. This goes way back in antiquity. I mean, this is a question that uh, people have struggled with from time in memoriam. And we see even in the earliest days of the Christian church that St. Augustine of Hippo, he addressed this uh, and talked about what was a just war. Because Jesus, as you remember, had said, don't hit anybody, don't fight anybody, don't, don't be... Uh, physically violent with anybody. It's it's not the way to be, and you're not going to get anywhere. But you're asking humans to do something that is perhaps uh, not humanly possible, not even in today's world, and that is to be completely nonviolent. It, it is ideal, and uh, I admire people who, who are completely nonviolent, and they are true followers of the Buddha and Jesus, and, and I think that's a great thing. I don't think I have that ability. I'm just too emotional. But Augustine, the 4th century uh, theologian philosopher, laid out some of the ground rules. And he said that 
war had to be waged in obedience to a divine command or in conformity to God's laws, and that the state, a, a duly, uh, legally recognized state, is who would make that decision. In our society, the state is us. It's our democracy. We vote on it. And if we don't like a war that we're in, then we tell our representatives and they get us out. So there has to be a duly appointed state, elected state, that has the authority to wage war. And, and when do you wage war? Do you wage war for conquest and for booty? No, that's, that's not what Augustine said was uh, an allowable thing. It's not what was good. And, and we remember that, uh, that in battles like uh, the taking of Jericho by the Israelites when they came into the promised land. Basically, they killed all the, all the people in Jericho, even the noncombatants. And Jesus said, well, this is craziness. You can't do that. And Buddha said the same thing, and I think that's important. I agree. I don't, I don't think that when we conquer a people that we're there to destroy them, we're there to keep them from harming us or harming our friends and to help direct them onto a path where they're a friendly, peaceful neighbor and not uh, a combatant and an enemy. But there's no doubt about it. When we blockade countries, or when anyone blockades another country, any one country blockades another country, the potential for great harm to noncombatants exists. It's just there. And I'll talk about a few incidences of that that I've experienced in my lifetime and some of the history of the 20th century. You know, in World War I, Great Britain and her allies, including us at the end of the war, World War I was 1914 to 1918, we entered in 1917, the allies blockaded the Germans. The Germans don't have a whole lot of, of uh, ports. They have small part of the uh, North Sea that they open into, and then, of course, the Baltic. And so it's fairly easy to blockade them. There were not a lot of, of ports that they could come out of. They had their U-boats, which could slip out underwater and go out and do damage to the Canadian and English, uh, British and American ships that were coming across from the United States and Canada to feed and supply the Allies in World War I and in World War II. But they couldn't get anything in. You know, submarines are not big enough. And so basically, we, at the end of World War I, were starving their people. They couldn't get food. They were bordered by Russia. Uh, the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which was their, their friend, was on their eastern and southern border. And uh, this was collapsing. And so basically, eight or 900,000 people estimated starved to death because of the blockade that we put on the Germans in World War I. 900,000 women and children starved to death. What's the morality of this? Is this moral? And how do we justify this? How do we say to ourselves, well, you know, there was a greater good here. And now we have to define what is that greater good. Well, St. Augustine would say that the sacred seed of virtue is in the heart. Well, that assumes that you got a heart and that you have some empathy for your fellow human being. Most of us do. So that's a good thing. So we have to start at that point, And we can't let it take us too far one way or too far 
the other way. And, of course, my sisters are all heart, and then people on the far right are all brain. So somewhere in the middle there's a meeting, and we have to take our best morals and values and our best sense of self and each other, and we have to apply this anytime we wage war. And basically we're waging war now against Iran and North Korea. We're embargoing. So we're starving them of goods that they need and of money that they need. We're keeping them from selling their goods. We're blockading in a certain sense. An embargo is when you, as a nation, will not sell to another nation. And a blockade is when you keep other nations from bringing in goods to a country that you're at war with. And in a sense, we're, we're having some uh, informal blockades as well. So it's important for us to realize that even though we don't have a declared war with North Korea, well, actually we do. We never signed a peace treaty with them. But, I mean, uh, there's not an open conflict going on. We are, in a sense, at war. And we have to apply our morals and values to this. And what is the greater good here? Is the greater good that we are dominant and that we control the world, so to speak? Or is the greater good that we are undoing evils in the world and forcing those evils to come over to the side of good? And I've said before that I don't believe in good and evil as such, but there are things that work and things that don't. And obviously, as we can see, our way of life does work. It works very well. And other ways do not work. And so I take it in terms of utility and utilitarian. Joe and St. Pete's on the line. Joe, welcome to the show. What do you got for us? Thank you, Dr. Bill. I I kind of apologize right off the bat because it might be off the subject. I've been in and out of my car, and I followed you earlier. and don't really know where you are right now. But um, the purpose of my call was I don't – have you heard that – I heard it uh, on Fox News through Tucker Tucker Carlson's show show, (laughs) that – the FAA has lowered its standards. It started in 2012 in the interest of diversity, and they actually put up a did a uh, questionnaire, and people got higher points if they'd not been employed for three years, uh, if they had low science. And uh, I heard it repeated later on another show, and just so outrageous. I just wondered, had you heard this? Had you validated it? and um, what you thought of it. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. You know, I, I, I saw a little piece, I forget if it was in, in uh, Reuters or Christian Science Monitor, one of the other news sources I go to, and there is now a shortage of commercial airline pilots, and it's going to get worse. So there are planes sitting on the ground all over the world, and I would assume also in the United States, uh, because of this. And uh, there's there's certainly uh, a shortage of good people in a number of areas. Uh, And I don't don't know specifically the the details of what you're talking about, but it it seems to me that without some kind of merit-based system, uh, we're going to run into more and more problems, and especially if we're looking for people like pilots. I mean, these guys have to be uh, and gals have to be highly trained, highly trained. And remember that they're one of the – 
the highest uh, risk professions to go into. They probably have more deaths per capita of uh, commercial airline pilots than any other uh, any other industry or trade, including policemen. And you say, well, gee, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, you know, you stop and think about it. There's a very limited number of pilots. That's a small. Uh, that's a small community. A small college of professional pilots, and they fly not only big planes, but small planes, and the small planes are apt to crash. They fly helicopters, and those crash frequently. So, And I think that we're going to see more problems if we don't have at least a modicum of uh, uh, merit-based system. And I agree with you that it, that it, it could uh, evolve into something uh, more serious. So... You know, I, I don't know what your thoughts on it are. I mean, I'm glad to give people a chance, but let's put them through a training program before we bring them out into the field. Well, uh, this was regarding, I, I saw that article, too, about actually going into pilot training schools and trying to pull them into commercial uh, pilot training. But this was through the air traffic controllers, the, uh, the Rainbow Push Coalition had uh, lobbied the Obama administration to to pressure the FAA. I don't know if that's valid or not, but that, that was what the report was, and that supposedly since 2012 they've actually changed the at least the, the um, looking at these people, and I'm assuming they've admitted some who, who essentially they don't have a science, science background. In fact, a person without a science background scored more points to be considered than a person that was a pilot, currently a pilot. And I thought, that's, that's just, I mean, I, I'm for trying to get more people into the system to serve, but not at the, not at the risk of me getting on an airplane like you when you went to Vancouver and uh, having people who don't know what they're doing in the towers. Oh, I, I agree with that 100%. On the good side, though, the technology has gotten so much better that, you know, it's like McDonald's now. You don't have to be able to add and subtract, multiply, and divide. All you have to do, you don't even have to read if you ever look at the registers at McDonald's. They got pictures of a, of a, a Whopper or of uh, an apple pie. You just press that button, and, you know, it tells you how much the the customer owes and how much change to give back. And it, it amuses me that even on small amounts of change, you'll see people looking up at the register as they're counting out your change because they can't subtract three from 10. And, you know, it's, yeah. But, okay. but the technology has improved tremendously. And it's a good now, point. You're right. Yeah. The, the technology has, is making up for it in some sense. And I've said this and I'll say it again. At some point, if we continue to evolve along the lines where we're going to have to marry our machines, there's just no way we're going to be able to, to uh, exist as a species without, without incorporating some of the computers and uh, bionics into our own system and our own well-being. And we may do this by genetic engineering, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's fascinating. And I think that what you're saying is is something that we all need to stop and think about because you know what? I don't think I want some guy who's had 40 hours of VFR and then another 40 of IFR and a couple of hundred hours of flying a single engine airplane to jump into the cockpit of a Cessna uh, King Air that's a high performance twin engine or into the seat of a jet uh, like a 767. Oh my God, are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, we'll all be dead. Exactly. So I agree with you 100%. I appreciate you listening, and I appreciate oh, you sharing. Thank you, Joe. 
Uh, you're very welcome, and thank you for being a member and a listener. Thank you. So I was talking before Joe so rudely interrupted me. Oh, my God. Bill, how did you let that man on the air? <laughs> I appreciate Bill. Thanks for letting him through. Joe, is uh, he, he's a bright guy, obviously, and has a lot of good things to say. So Augustine of Hippo laid down some of the rules of engagement, uh, that there has to be a, a moral law that rules war, and we have this now in the Geneva Convention, and not everybody has signed that, but most countries have, and that we have to be obedient to a, a divine command if you believe in a a divine being, or if you're like me and you believe that there are just inherent, uh, uh, this makes sense kind of workable rules that have to be applied when you go into into combat or into a football game or into any any engagement where you have opposite sides that are trying to obtain a goal, score, get a, a touchdown, or get a basket if you're a basketball player, get three points. So what are the conditions necessary to engage in a just war? Well, are we threatened? Are we threatened? Does the existence of North Korea or Iran pose a threat to, to our existence? And, of course, if you have a nuclear weapon and you have a delivery vehicle that you can put that weapon on, then, yeah, by the way, you do pose a threat to us. And this may seem like to the Persian uh, leaders and the uh, North Korean leaders that they're only protecting themselves from us. But come on, let's be honest. That's not the only reason they're doing this. The Ayatollahs in Iran, they want to export their Islamic revolution to the world. And they have. They have started a lot of the current upheavals, including the suicide bombings. And they are a state sponsor of terrorism, the largest state sponsor. And North Korea has been complicit with a number of these terrorist regimes. And they have not only threatened us with nuclear holocaust, but they're also abusing their own people, these small group of leaders. And this and you know, this this kind of of behavior is a threat to all of us because the world is much smaller than it was fifty or a hundred years ago. We didn't have ICBMs in World War I that could go from Europe to the United States and reach us. Germany didn't have the ability to drop bombs on New York City. And even in World War II, their abilities were not there. They were working on a long-range bomber to reach the United States, but they never achieved that. Well, now, within a matter of minutes, we can hit anywhere in the world. And when we send one of our nuclear submarines out on patrol, our... our uh, launched submarines, it's probably the 10th largest nuclear power in the world because you've got 21 missiles and you've got multiple reentry vehicles on top of those missiles. So you may have nine nuclear weapons per rocket. So just round it out to 10 and 20, and that's 200 nuclear weapons. And that's more than most countries who are nuclear powers have, and including Israel. And so uh, we got where 
having some connection issues with the doc. Are you there? You okay? One moment, please. What if I could tell you that a full-blown wildfire was going to occur tomorrow right where you live? Tell you exactly which neighborhoods it would engulf and how fast it would do it. The first thing you would do is talk with your loved ones and make a plan today. It's true. I can't tell you a wildfire will strike tomorrow. But shouldn't you make a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Attention men under the age of 35. You know what really impresses the ladies? When a guy has a few drinks and later gets pulled over for buzz driving. That could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. There goes let's grab dinner and a movie. Oh, I know. You drive more carefully when you're buzzed. You've proven that hundreds of times. A woman admires that kind of confidence. And you've practiced how to speak if a cop does pull you over. Slowly, clearly, and politely like, Good evening, officer. A woman admires that kind of foresight. And what woman doesn't find it adorable that you call it buzzed even though the law calls it drunk? You could kiss $10,000 goodbye, along with any chance of having a girlfriend. Because nothing says, I'm a catch, more than a guy who lives in his parents' basement and calls it my place. Buzzed, busted, and broke. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the ad. It's to have uh, peace and harmony and uh, the ability to achieve life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Second, we got to do it for a good and just cause rather than just for self-gain. And third, there has to be a central motive even in the midst of the vilest, right, intention, and authority must fight for the just reasons it's expressed or claimed for declaring the war in the first place. And the soldiers have to fight for that. And when we win, we, we can't be... Uh, Barbarians, uh, we we have to do like like we do, like we're trained to be uh, gracious in victory as well as in defeat. That we have to be good sports. So once a, another country is defeated and they lay down their arms, then we do what we do to help them rebuild and do what we do to help make them a friend and not an enemy. We don't want to alienate them once that happens. And so we have to look at the blockade of Germany and see the damage it did in World War One, and say, well, that was an acceptable collateral loss situation. We have to look at the blockades that were, and the embargoes that we're imposing on Iran and on North Korea, and say, there's a greater good here. These people are threatening to blow us up with nuclear weapons. They're threatening to blow up our friends. And they're threatening countries that we're becoming friendlier with, like Saudi Arabia. South Korea is a close friend. I'm married to one. And by the way, you know what the South Koreans call us? They call us Miguk, which means the beautiful country. So if you think people around the world don't like us or don't think of us as a, a good people and a good country, you're just dead wrong. You have not traveled.
We look at the terrible, terrible pain and suffering that can be inflicted by these embargoes and these blockades, and we say, is this just? Is this okay? Is this something that we should be doing? I think that we have to put it into the context of the greater good, which is to say that we want world peace, we want prosperity for everybody, we want everybody to have the right to pursue uh, life, liberty, and happiness, and uh, you know, I, I think these are things that we talk about at home, and we are going to and continue to apply them to the world. So let's keep doing what we're doing, and I'm all for the president. I thank you guys for being with me. Joe, thanks for jumping in. I'm Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.